Welcome to the Ed Studio podcast, featuring insightful discussions at the intersection of business and technology. Join our expert instructors, guests, and panelists as we dive into the future of learning and training. Today, our guest is influencer extraordinaire, Mayan Gordon. Welcome, Mayan. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be here. Same here. And we are talking to you about so many different things that you've been involved in, whether it is marketing, social media, emotional intelligence. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners, especially the exciting project you've undertaken helping small business in America? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mayan Gordon. And who I am as a person, I would say is really best described as an explorer and an adventurer. So more than, you know, describing myself as a a marketer or an influencer or any of the other descriptors, I think explorer and adventure really encompasses all of the things that I've done and explains why my life has gone in so many different interesting directions. So I dropped out of college when I was 19, ended up building, you know, four or five different businesses that were all successful and just really started thinking about how I could bring value to people in ways that were both unique and really tailored to my expertise and my my ability to deliver that value. And so out of that has come this really, you know, fun, expansive growth on TikTok, where I've got more than 2.3 million followers. Out of that have come a lot of different business endeavors through the connections I've built on LinkedIn. And then the current project that is really exciting and unique and interesting that I'm in the middle of right now is called the Main Street Tour, where me and my husband and our four dogs are traveling for a two-year time period around the entire continental U.S., visiting small businesses in every single city that we stop at, encouraging them and empowering them and supporting them in absolutely every way that we can, including support with their social media, support with connecting them to other local resources, connecting them to information that's going to be really valuable to them. That is amazing. And that brings to mind for me also the fact that you're doing this during the pandemic and now perhaps post-pandemic. I have no idea how we describe the stage at which we are. But, you know, do you find that COVID-19 in any way impacted this project of yours, whether it is your impetus for doing it or the response that you're getting from the small business owners in terms of needing that extra kind of support. And of course, where I want to go with this also is the emotional intelligence piece, right? Because it seems to me like you're very mindful about doing this at this particular time, helping to build resilience and that emotional connect. But am I wrong in pegging you this way? Yeah, you've uh, hit the nail on the head, as they say. Um, So timing absolutely played a role in this happening. COVID, I think, threw a lot of people a lot of challenges. But for me, it was well-timed because I was already wanting to kind of transition out of being a business operator into being, I I wasn't quite sure what, uh, a mentor, a coach, a business builder, but not an operator. You know, I built different businesses and operated them for a decade. And I knew that the grind of it was not something I wanted to stay in forever. So I was really, you know, for the first time in about 10 years, really exploring what all the options of my reality could look like. One of the things that we'd always wanted to do, I say we, me and my husband, uh, was go on kind of a big, you know, epic adventure across the country. I think a lot of, it's a, it's a very common kind of dream 
to to have to want to go explore and see all the places you haven't seen in your in your country or wherever it is that you're living and you know after things started getting back opened up from the pandemic it just felt like the right timing one because small businesses needed the support and i had a lot of the resources and expertise that i could bring to them but two i knew that if i wanted to get a sponsor for the trip which i did that that was going to align with where their values were at. So I really looked at what was the shift in the social reality of our world because of COVID-19 and how could I best align what I wanted to accomplish with the, the social reality that existed for everyone else. Because I think what, what where people come into you know a hard time with making their dreams come true is they don't know how to map their reality to social reality. Um, and oftentimes those things can be different, you know, very different. But if you can find some key kind of anchor points is what I'll call them between those two realities, you can really make things happen much more easily without, mm. um, I think, a lot of the emotional baggage that comes with really, really wanting something, working really, really hard for it, and then not achieving it. That's hard for anyone to to kind of deal with. So I, I try and think about things from, I would say, a preventative angle mm. more than anything. Like if I make a mistake, I look at the mistake and say, how can I implement this as a new preventative measure? Not how I, how can I make the, the risk to this less in the moment that it's happening? I can see how you are yourself keeping that in mind, right? Your personal world, yeah. but also the social connect. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit and look at emotional intelligence. And if you consider yourself an adventurer and explorer, I love that description. In this field of emotional intelligence, how are you making the connection while exploring this EI concept and connecting it to marketing as well as to life in general? I'll give a little bit of background information that I can give like a really precise, more granular answer to your question. So all of my kind of direction in what I'm exploring, including emotional intelligence, really started from wanting to change my personal experience. So, you know, growing up, I didn't have from the outside a horrible childhood. It looked great, you know, to parents that loved me, uh, went to decent schools, all of that, but internally really was distressed, I would say, my entire childhood, um, you know, got bullied at various points, felt like I had no control over my environment, various different things that I think are actually, unfortunately, quite normal in childhood experience based on how society and culture have decided to define those things and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so it started in you know high school and college where I really, the thing I wanted most in life was to figure out one, was it possible for me to be happy or was I doomed to always kind of feel like I was suffering? Because I, be I believed, even though I didn't have any real concrete evidence that I could live a happy life, I believed that that was possible and I just hadn't mm -hmm. figured it out yet. So it was one, is that even a possibility? And then two, how do I intentionally create that? Because I always also just believed that we had an immense amount of control over ourselves and our, our reality, even if I didn't know how to use that control or leverage that control. So it started there and then was really focused on building my first businesses, was super financially focused because one of the, the pieces to my story is when I was 19, me and my husband were in a gas explosion in our rental house that we had. That was before I'd really figured anything out about my life. And so coming into that event, I wasn't necessarily on great mental health 
terms already. And that really threw me for a bigger hill to climb because not only did I have all of my past stuff from my childhood that I hadn't dealt with yet, now I had this new kind of trauma um, and all the things that came along with it. So I was really focused on making money because I was in student loan debt. Me and my husband were homeless, living out of an RV for an extended period of time. We're starving for uh, a period of time where we would go, you know, pretty regularly 24 to 48 hours without food. So during those five years where I was getting over that situation, my primary focus was really around how do I just make money? I wasn't thinking a lot about emotional intelligence, even though I was certainly dealing with the, you know, effects of it. And then once we got to this point where I wasn't in like pure survival mode, where where there was even a little bit of brain space to think about things other than, you know, how am I going to get money for food and shelter? Then I started thinking about business more because I'd been building businesses and it was a really creative, fun endeavor for me. And I started as I was looking at why I liked businesses, asking myself, huh, what is it about like businesses that intrigues me? I discovered that it was because All businesses, no matter what industry, followed a same base set of rules that were tied to how human beings think, feel, and behave. And that was really my first kind of introduction into thinking about how emotional intelligence and how our emotions factor into business in particular, but actually also everything, how they are a key component to our human experience in every single avenue that we function in. And then, you know, while I was looking at that, I realized, oh, the reason my businesses have been successful is because I'm really good at marketing. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. what makes me good at marketing? I've never studied it before. I seem to have this innate ability, but I don't really believe you can have an innate ability in marketing. I realized, oh, I'm good at marketing because I understand people. And when I say that I understand people, I mean the same thing I just said before. I understand how they think, feel, and behave. And to me, that is, you know, the the kind of core of emotional intelligence is uh, several parts, but the two main parts are understanding how you think, feel, and behave, and then also understanding how others think, feel, and behave. As I've been dedicating more and more of a percentage of my time to learning about it, uh, the more it's sucking me in, the more fascinated I keep getting, and the more in love with it that I, I continue to fall. When it comes to emotions, one of the things we don't really think about is we, we think about all those five senses, right? Um, you know, smell, touch, taste. There's one sense we don't talk about and it's very real. And it is what is a key component in our emotion creation process. And that's called interoception. And interoception is all of the sensations you feel inside of your body. So when your heart pumps blood, we all know, we've all felt what water moves like over our skin. How come we don't feel like what liquid feels like under our skin, right? And if you think about it, there are so many things happening inside of your body that have corresponding sensations. And yet we don't feel ourselves breathe all the time. Now we do sometimes when our heart, you know, our our breath gets really short or we have a hard time breathing, but most of the time, all of these things happen without our noticing is what we think. But actually we are noticing And we're noticing through this concept or this process really called interoception, where your brain takes a summary of all of the sensations happening in your body at any given moment, and it turns them into something called affect. And affect is simply, how do you feel pleasant or do you feel not so pleasant, right? So if you didn't have any emotion words, the way you describe, so how's your day going? You'd be like, it 
feels okay or it feels good, which is sometimes how we still respond, which shows that we have to evolve our, our language skills. But you wouldn't say I'm sad, I'm hungry, I'm happy. You'd say I feel good or I feel bad. And that is through interoception. Without interoception, we don't have the ability to predict good or bad feelings and probably we wouldn't survive all mammals for the most part that we know of. Now there's no conclusive scientific research that has gone through every single animal, but all, all mammals have interoception. What human beings have been able to do that no other species has been able to do is take those physical feelings, those interoceptive feelings, and then attach mental concepts to them. So we think about happy as kind of, we don't really know, is it something I feel in my chest? Is it like a physical feeling? Is happy something I feel in my head where it's kind of like, you know, ideas? Like what is happy? Happy is a mental concept that is goal-based. So all emotions are goal-based concepts. I know this is like really strange (laughs) things to think of. And Hmm. probably most of the people listening right now have never heard these ideas before. But think about why do you feel an emotion? That's another question we most say. Why do we feel emotions, right? And the answer is tied to the question I just asked, which is we're trying to accomplish something. When we feel happy, a lot of the times it's going to be with the goal of maybe inviting other people to connect with us, to see that we're happy, to feel it too, for us to bond together. Maybe I'm feeling happy because I need extra energy. The cascade of chemicals that my brain releases when it's happy are going to help me accomplish the goal that I have, like an actual physical goal. But all emotions are mental concepts that have a goal attached to them. And that is a a human brain invention that no other animal currently has the ability to do. So that's kind of, you know, where I'm at with the science of it. There's a lot more, obviously, detail I could go into around um, how the brain makes predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the the basis of looking at the, the biologi- biological. That's phenomenon. fascinating. And I see why it resonates with you because it still has that internal, external awareness, right? That balance. So I have a play on, on this in terms of marketing and specifically fear. You talked about happiness as yes. an emotion, but especially I feel like in social media marketing, the FOMO aspect has really blown digital marketing out of proportion and you know people really respond to that right i'm seeing this in a very curious way when it comes to its studio and educating uh, business leaders about virtual reality because that's the stage we're at even though we've had amazing traction with mark zuckerberg's announcement about the metaverse there's still that resistance and fear of adoption and accepting a new reality, but there's fear of missing out as well. So I don't know where I'm going in terms of a question, but I would just love your reaction from both the marketing and AI perspective on grappling with something like this, whether it's a leader who's thinking about how they can accept new realities into their life, new virtual reality in this case, in their their organization. Yeah. So what, one thing I'll, I'll say to you on that is I believe we're at a very pivotal point in history on the marketing side where we as a, a species make the switch from believing that manipulation is more powerful than empowerment. And I think we're going through this transition where we're starting to realize that helping p- other people be their best is a much more winning strategy for 
us than trying to trick them mm-hmm. into something. And so I think that's where, you know, people are really experiencing FOMO, which is the old way that the world worked, which is if you were ostracized from your social group, you would die. And in literal terms, oftentimes. Um, And that's, you know, that's very recent. That's like a hundred years ago. If you got ostracized from your social group, you were going to really, really, really suffer for it. And today we live in an entirely different world around what's possible, a world of possibilities where we do not have to, not a single person has to have a fear of being ostracized because one, there's, I mean, 8 billion other people and counting more that they can connect with and form. It's so easy to form a new social group if you have, you know, the right skill set and tools, but also there's no danger to your safety or personage most of the time. Now, again, you could lose a job, let's say as a worst case scenario, um, but people aren't going to shun you from society the way they did in ancient Greece, where they would literally you know, vote someone off the island, so to speak, and they weren't allowed to come back for 10 years. You know, I think people struggle with the awareness that the way their brain is currently working is not best suited to their environment. And that, of course, is going to cause people distress, right? And so I think VR falls into that, that whole space of, I know the way I'm operating now isn't the best way, but I'm also scared to leave the safety of what I do have. And I think that's a very, I think, normal human experience for our day and age that will continue into the future. I don't think that was as big a deal 200 years ago when your life really didn't change much, right? Like life was very, very different Mm -hmm. 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. And today there's so much change happening so quickly that people, they don't want to let go of the safety that they have because they're uncertain about, you know, the next kind of stepping stone that will bring them to safety. But they also know they can't stay there because it's going to flood and the water is going to drown them. So it's kind of this, like, I'm in this situation that's dangerous. This is how people feel. I'm in this dangerous situation. The building's on fire. I want to jump out of the building or get out of the building, but I don't know what's outside. But if I stay here too long, I'm going to burn up and die. Classic dilemma. <laughs> yeah, a classic dilemma. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And and you know, it's interesting that you put it that way because um, I feel like that's one of the strengths in the background that you bring is that tremendous empathy that you have, right? Because you, yeah. I could see right now you're literally putting yourself in this person's shoes that I was describing to you, this business leader, and that fire analogy was yeah was just right for that. Did you have more to say, Maya? Oh yeah, I was just, I was going to throw something in there. So part of scientifically, part of why that is true, like, why would I be motivated to like, why, why do people have empathy, right? Like, why is that? What's the goal of empathy? And actually, so the goal, the base goal of many of our emotions is social that when I create an emotion, right, when my body and brain create an emotion around other people, I'm helping to balance their bot, what's called a body budget. So because your brain is making predictions and not reacting, it is guessing that you're going to need X amount of energy in the next moment, right? And sometimes it's wrong. And our emotions actually help calibrate that body budget to be accurate. That prediction of how much energy am I going to need for the goal I'm about to accomplish, right? Because that's what, that's what your brain's doing, saying, okay, I know you have a goal. In the next moment, you're going to have to make some decision or take some type of action towards that goal. How much energy are you going to need for that? I better create that amount of energy in the body Mm. that's available, right? And when 
we use our emotions or create our emotions around other people, we're helping them to manage their body budgets. Because I know if you're happy, then I can limit the number of available options that make sense for my action to a smaller subset. So if I have more information, I can make more granular choices easier is basically the, if I have to condense it down. When we're around other people, it's easier to live and it costs our body less energy because we have more information that they are giving us from their mind, which is pretty crazy. Absolutely. And you know, and what's fascinating for me as well when I'm teaching with virtual reality, for example, is that you actually feel that connection, even though you're behind an avatar and there is no sort of direct eye contact, right? There is ways to read body language and uh, understand just being in that same shared 3D space gives you that extra dimension. And to me, at least, when I compare online 2D teaching versus VR teaching, it makes me expend less energy because I'm getting feedback from others in the room, as you were just describing. Exactly. And I think one of the cool things about VR that I'll, I'll throw in here now. So why I think VR is so one interesting to also having, I think this contributes to why it's not adopting as quickly is it is the same as reality. And this is a hard thing, I think, for people to want to believe or like let their brain say, okay, that's true, which is that we already live in a simulation, a simulated reality. What do I mean by that? I mean, everything you see is formed by a concept of what it is. And if you didn't have the concept, you would get a big noisy mess of light and sound and all the other senses but you wouldn't be able to group them into distinct concepts. And this is actually how babies experience life. So when a baby's born, it can't recognize faces because it doesn't have a concept for what a face is. A good analogy for people who have glasses is it's like when, if you have really bad prescription like me, if I take my glasses off, I have to put something literally almost like touching my nose to be able to read it. And so everything looks really fuzzy. It's like fuzzy colors. And because I know where things are and what they are for the most part, again, I have enough data in my brain to make good predictions about what things are, I can still get around in the world. But imagine taking off your glasses without any information about what anything actually was, right? So your brain is actually simulating everything. And when I say virtually, I mean inside of your head, not outside of your head. You know, a simulation inside of your head is virtual mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. in the same sense that virtual reality is. And so I think it's going to be hard for people to say, oh, virtual reality has all these benefits because it is reality plus this, this, and this, or with these added benefits, because then it also it requires people to admit that, you know, our existing reality is not the end-all be-all of realities. At the same time, I think people are willing, are going to be willing to do that to get the benefits. The benefits being, you know, better mental health, the benefits being a whole lot of, I think, increased data. I think the amount of information that people are going to have access to is going to skyrocket through, through VR. Um, and so there's going to be some really, really tangible benefits to VR, but I do think it's going to require people coming to terms with the fact that their reality is not an objective reality. Yeah, and you know, the, the mind-body connection that's coming through in some of the work and research done on VR is also absolutely amazing in terms of 
you know, fear of heights, for example, or anxiety, right? And putting yourself yeah. and making your brain sort of build that muscle, if you will, to accept that reality, whether it is going on top of virtual buildings and looking down, right? But by practicing yeah. and building muscle, that sort of brings us back full circle to some of the experiences you were sharing about your childhood, right? So that's what research is showing is it's becoming a tremendous tool um, in psychology in actually creating inclusive environments. I wonder what's your reaction to that? And coming back again to the marketing piece, do you see potential with virtual reality to make marketing more inclusive? Yeah, 100%. Um, And part of that is because when you are different from the norm, which all of us are, so it's, we have this really interesting kind of, well, we have lots of paradoxes as, as human beings, but an interesting one is that we agree there's a majority, but none of us are part of it because <laughs> there's such a diversity of, of human life, right? And we, we might right. be a part of this or that perceived majority. So I think there's a perception of majority and then there's the reality that we are an incredibly, incredibly diverse population of individuals or diverse individuals within a population. And I think instead of thinking about how do we make things more inclusive for people with disabilities, I think it's how do we make things more inclusive for everyone? Because we all have, if not a disability, something that could be optimized on kind of the other other side of things. And that's already where marketing is going. So what I'm talking about essentially is personalization, right? And in the marketing world, this has been a big topic for the past, I want to say at least five years, if not longer, where instead of talking to a generalized audience, you want to create an avatar. You know, it, it's the concept's been around for a lot longer than, than five or 10 years, but it's really right. become much more popularized in the last, you know, five, 10 years that you want to individualize your messaging to the person that you're communicating with. And VR gives a much greater ability to create personalization. And it's not just VR, it's also the AI technology that's integrating with the VR. But imagine if you could go shopping and the environment was perfectly, the shopping environment, not just from a visual standpoint, but you, you know, your favorite music would play and the friends who you like to shop with would be notified that you're shopping at that time. So there's so much personalization around VR that I can't think of a better marketing tool than simply personalization. Meet me in the metaverse, right? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. Mayan Gordon, thank you so much. We have been adventuring and exploring multiple topics during our time today. And I want to thank you for spending that time with us look forward to staying connected through its studio absolutely thank you so much for having me